Welcome back to the show, everybody. A few weeks back, we had a guest on the show that I affectionately called a badass of a woman within three minutes of knowing her, right? Patty, the five-minute moneymaker farmer. She introduced me to a few people, including this one here today. Now, we have a special intro for her because just reading her former credentials, not, not even talking about what she's doing now that's great and what she's planning on doing that's even greater, but just her former credentials. I mean, this lady's probably forgotten more secrets than you and I would ever know. She's a retired ex-FBI assistant special agent in charge and a former counterintelligence special agent in the army. Ladies and gentlemen, Make some noise for Gina, the blonde bomber, Osborne. Now they're cheering and clapping. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Thank you for being here. Feeling good? I'm feeling great. Here's the gist of it. The show here is about helping John. John is not a loser. John is not an idiot. He's very intelligent. All right. Great at what he does. Best soccer player in, in the world. Best dentist in the world. Great at what he does, highly successful, but he's got a stiff lip because he's secretly afraid of public speaking, going out on TV, even being interviewed like in, like, in, like, in, like a local newspaper. He just gets nervous, right? So the show is about giving him tips and tricks and figuring out why do most speeches suck so bad. So, so in your opinion, let's start with that, why? Do most speeches and presentations suck so bad? You know, I think probably lack of preparation. I think not knowing the material as well and not really understanding who your audience is or, or how to present the information. I think that that might be some of the problems. Who your audience is. Who yeah, your audience is. That's the money right there. Yes. So you've been in top secret situations. You cannot even think about too loud because they might hear it. I, I get that. But the who is more important than the what and the why, and even so sometimes the how even. So knowing who you speak to is very important. You've been in situations where you spoken to people and you knew that your body language had to be on point. You need to come across certain ways. And you're in a position where you sometimes had to maybe consciously give off signals that people just do that naturally. So in terms of who they speak to, can you give tips on how to best match, maybe in a, not in a, in a special agent way because they're not trained, but authentically match their body language to who they're speaking to? Well, I really think it's important to be relaxed because people kind of take on the feeling that you're, putting out there. So if you're nervous or if you're uncomfortable or you're feeling that you have to be perfect in what you say and how you position your hands and, and, and put your hand in your pocket or however it is that you do it, people are going to pick up on that. What people, this is one thing that I learned because I was John. I mean, I was John to the 10th degree where I wouldn't even, I would put, ask all of my people to speak uh, on behalf of my program because I just didn't feel comfortable speaking. And it wasn't until I went to an acting coach and uh, worked with him on this one presentation that I did. And he said, this is what you need to do. Go in early, 
walk around the room, stand up on the stage, feel what it's going to be like when you're there, and then just connect with the audience. And you can stumble over your words, you can forget your presentation, but as long as you're actually having a conversation, that's what people are there to, to do, is to, is to connect with you and learn something. Gina. Yes, dear. I call the thing here Rockstar Present Secrets because I'm an award-winning international touring musician with songs on the radio. But I couldn't even speak before. English is my second language. So I went from this is my second language to, into my first. I, I was a stutter like you see in the movies. So I know what you mean by not being able to. I went over it and I did it in multiple languages on TV and on stage. You went through it. And now the purpose is helping John, which is nowhere near as bad as I was or you were. So say I went from stutterer to rock star. You went from whatever that was to special agent in charge. <laughs> Pretty cool. So let's get John from uneasy, self-conscious, a bit stressed out to good enough so that it doesn't register on the radar. So you see, you don't want your the messenger to be so out of whack that it undermines the message. So let's just get him up to par, right? Yes. Well, so, I'm going yeah. oh, oh, to tell John, I saw a woman who was a TED Talk speaker. She what, did a lot of improv. She did a presentation that was absolutely perfect. She didn't stumble over any words. She used the perfect hand gestures. She did everything right. And yet she didn't connect with me and I didn't connect with her. So it wasn't a pleasurable experience with me. I mean, I was entertained at how she did it, but I wasn't taking in what her message was. So I'm going to tell John, be human, be the person that people want to hear about and ask questions to. And, and, and that's where you're going to really get over that barrier. If you're human and you are allowing yourself to make mistakes because imperfections make us extraordinary, just get up there and be yourself. And that's really what people are there to see. One of the things that I teach is being a natural leader. And what I say is that Every cricket knows that. Every bird knows that. Everybody knows that. You know the classic story of how they used to choose bosses in the mafia in, in the old days? So they would sit five people in a room with the exact same knives and the exact same table, and then they would ask a kid on the street, hey, kiddo, the boss wants to ask you a question. Now, when the kid walks in, he needs to scan the environment, scan the room, and quickly evaluate everything that we humans evaluate when we're evaluating the status of an individual. So whatever the unconscious cues are, right? We, we can't fabricate that, but it's coming it's come as, as phony. So the kid would do what every human does and what every cricket does, establish a hierarchy or who's the boss and say, yes, sir. And this would determine the boss. You must have been in situations where there was maybe a few bad guys in the room, and how does these situations of status and being the natural leader influence the dynamics of public speaking in the bad guy setting or in, in some sort of a police setting or army setting? It's all about authority. It's all about presenting yourself with authority. And you may not feel that. You may not have that confidence. But if you don't, fake it. 
you are the authority. People are coming there to see you, to hear you. So get up there and be the authority. And there were times when I was in situations in law enforcement where it was some pretty scary stuff going on, but no matter what, I had to represent the brand. I had to have that authority because if I didn't, then it would be, it would appear that I was weak and you definitely don't want to appear weak in those types of situations. Yeah. Cause they can sniff it. Sure. Yes. Have, have you heard about the Maasai warriors? No. The Maasai warriors is a tribe in Africa. Bushmen with like little letter things here, like speedo, but in letters. And they have a tradition of intimidating the lions with their body language. So when the lions capture like a gazelle or a prey, the uh, tradition of the village to become a man is you have to walk up to the lion while he's eating, push it away with your body language, like, like you were doing, just like kind of chest up, mm -hmm. until the lion sees your congruence full body and say, okay, I'm going to back off. And then they saw the, they take a knife and they, cut off a leg of the gazelle and they leave with it. And there's videos on YouTube of that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You'd be but surprised you, what you can get away with when you uh, have that compelling presence. So you, but you have, you've had, I've had to do this quite a few times, I would imagine. Sure. Situations where maybe you're the only woman in the room and there's a bunch of bad guys or there's, you know, these, some of these guys are maybe on drugs or uh, so you have to come, it's the presence. Right, right. And I mean, I've been the only woman in the room surrounded by police chiefs and I have to maintain. I mean, it's in every situation. You just have to maintain that authority because that's what your brand is. Yeah. So come somebody comes across. So, for example, you have an author who has a book, right? Author A and author B has a book. Author B knows the tricks Gina's talking about. Handle yourself a certain way. Hold yourself a certain way. I don't like the part, but I mean, you're tried, tested, and true in the real deal. So maybe fake it a little bit till you make it, that little part, and then come across as, a, 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 as more confident. And author B does not do any of that and is shy of speaking to, about his book in the media. Who sells more books? I would say the one who's out there connecting with people. Boom, boom, boom. Of mm -hmm. course. So... Now, there needs to be a way, for, for example, you've made the transition from military and police to civilian life. Mm -hmm. And so here, the deal is, is pitching products, services, and ideas and concepts to people. So how does some of that presence and body language stuff in business transfer to more money, more opportunities, and more business? Through public speaking. And I have uh, two podcasts. One is called Behind the Crime Scene, which is a true crime podcast. And the other one is called Lead Like a Lady. And it's about women who are remarkable women who have risen to the top of male-dominated fields. So going and that is my message. And I'm also an executive coach. So I help executives navigate chaos, crisis, and change. So really, I have to have that authority when I'm speaking with my clients or when I'm on the podcast because they're looking at me as if I'm an expert or they're looking at me as an expert, I would say. So I need to maintain that authority, but really it's about connecting with people. Everything that we do is about connecting with people. And I think John is going to feel a lot more comfortable if he can just connect with the audience and, and realize that they're there to support him as opposed to they're there to criticize him. Did, did you say true crime scenes? 
to, uh, it's called the Beyond, Behind the Crime Scene, and it's a true crime podcast. So True Crime Crosscast Podcast is the name of the podcast, and there I, might be some true stories in there. Yeah, no, it's called Behind the Crime Scene. Okay, and there's true stories in there. There are true stories in there, exactly. I bring on law enforcement officers, prosecutors, first responders, and they pick one case that has really haunted them throughout their career, and they talk about that case. A concept that is really great in public speaking circles for like a, a public speaking for the sake of public speaking, like real speakers, is the concept of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. They need to show some cracking so that the light can come out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. In military circles, that's not a good idea. You don't want to show any vulnerability at all. That's mm -hmm. really bad. Mm -hmm. How about in the field of John World, who is an author, a coach, a consultant, a dentist, a doctor, even a soccer player? And he's interviewed in the media. Mm -hmm. How about vulnerability there? What's your take on that? I say vulnerability helps you connect with people. When you are sitting there and you're all perfect and you're, you may be stern and you may be giving the facts, that's not going to endear people to you. What endears people to you is showing who you are, the person who you actually are. So that's why it's very important. And I learned that as a leader in law enforcement, when I became an executive with the FBI, um, in, my, in my later years, the last 11 years, I learned that I became a much better leader when I was authentic. When I, I didn't have all the answers, I didn't know a lot of things, I relied on my team to tell me different things. And so that's where I think I really started to shine as a leader is when I didn't have to be perfect and I did show vulnerability because I didn't have to know everything because as a as a team, we we knew what we needed to know. And by you dropping the facade and allowing people in a little bit more, it allows you to relax into your being. Yes, exactly. And maybe hear them more and have a better two-way communication. Exactly, exactly. And really, that's what speaking is. When John's up on stage, the people may not be speaking back to him uh, up front. However, through their eyes and through their body language. They are inside them. Be, exactly, exactly. So I think if you really pay attention to what your audience is giving you, the vibe that's coming back at you, um, the best presentations that I've ever given were when I had a good time with the crowd, just because I was more relaxed and I let them in and they you know, let me into their, their lives. And you know, that's, it was just like a big, party <laughs> that's yeah. what i enjoyed the most any any difference or, or stories or moments where you went from gina pushing to become a leader to then gina being a fresh new leader and making pushing to establish you know authority credibility or what like if there was some of that and then gina being an established leader any sure. difference in, in like the layers of cake there that you can give John? I think so. When I first became in charge of cyber and computer forensics for the FBI, That's I didn't so have- Can you say that again, please? I was in charge of cyber and computer forensics for the FBI in Los Angeles, I should say. Mm. And I didn't have a technical background. So I had to rely more on my leadership than on my technical background. And so I would reach out to my- leaders, my young leaders coming up behind me, uh, my supervisors who I was in charge of, and uh, I would reach out to them to see how things were going. And on the second day, one of the supervisors told me, Gina, you don't have to call me every day. If I need you, I'll give you a call. 
And I thought, huh, okay, this is a whole different cyber people are different than other people. So I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. But it was a good lesson for me because you have to know when you're a leader, how your people respond to you. They're, they're not going to respond to micromanagement because yeah. they are a creative person. So I wound up changing my lead from the front leadership style to being a servant leader. My job was to get them everything they needed to do their job. Lead and from the, the more, back. Exactly. And the more I did that, the more they came to me asking me, okay, so you know people in Washington, D.C., can you get us some money? Absolutely. I can get you whatever you want. And that's what they, that gave me credibility, even though I didn't have the technical skills behind me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great thing because the skill is leading, not doing the thing. It's leading the people doing the thing. Exactly. But a good leader knows when they have to change their leadership styles for the group of people that they're actually leading, because it's not going to work. If I were a lead from the front leader with my cyber geniuses, my creatives, they wouldn't have responded at all. Same as a leader, like, uh, like in war, like, like I've never been to war at all, but I heard leaders say men will follow you through hell and back mm -hmm. if they know you would go. Exactly. Exactly. But if you're leading people who have an expertise greater than you in that particular field, well, they won't trust you as much. Exactly. I would be leading from the front and I would turn around and there wouldn't be anybody behind yeah. me. So that's when I thought, I think I may need to change some things up around here. And it wound up being the best assignment in my career because I, I had the opportunity to develop leaders in leadership. They already had the technical side, so they didn't need me for that, but I had the opportunity. And that's what my legacy is, is developing those leaders because they're continuing in the FBI doing great things. Amazing. You got time for one last question? Certainly. When I was listening to you speak about, say John's on stage and he's talking, he's not talking to they're not talking back and it made me think yes but they're speaking inside their minds mm -hmm. and there's always three levels of stories going on there's a story you're saying with your face and your body there's a story you're telling yourself about why you're doing this and uh, like are they gonna like me this and that and there's a story that they are telling themselves in their mind while they're listening to you which is the most important one and, and i couldn't help Oh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Was yeah. that a question? <laughs> yeah, now the question is coming. And I couldn't help to have okay. a sidetrack in my mind. Think, well, we got a special agent here in the room who's probably more knowledge about this than anyone else that I know about. When you're either in infiltration work or in intelligence work or getting information work, how what you do and what you say, how you can influence or double check or scan for or check out the, inf the story that the other person is telling inside himself in regards to are they believing you now? Are, they, are we in sync? Is it the right time to do the operation? Any, you know, nothing that would get you in trouble, but any tips for John about this? You know, it's all about connecting with people. It's all about chatting, building rapport with people, getting them to trust you. And when you're asking these questions, they can't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to jail. I can't, uh, I can't, uh, I, I need a lawyer. I mean, that's the last thing that we want in law enforcement. We want people to talk to us and tell us and, and confess to what's going on. And people, some investigators are masterful when it comes to that. I mean, you could have a pedophile or a murderer sitting across the table from you, but you need to build rapport with that person, get them to trust you and realize that by telling you the truth, you're going to help them 
get to where they need to be at the end of the day. So that's, it, it's all about connecting with people. Damn. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, Sly. You see, John, it's about getting down to the truth, the truth about yourself, the truth about your products. And if what you're doing, creating, selling, you know, truthfully deep inside of you, it's good for the person you are serving. Well, you're doing them a disservice if you're not truthfully using all the tools at your ability to convince that person to start the relationship, which is usually called closing a sale, but you're actually opening up a relationship to get to deeper truths. Exactly. If you want to know more about Gina, the what, what, yeah, the bomb, uh, the blonde bomber, Osborne. <laughs> Sorry about that. Click the links in the show notes. Any closing thoughts? Uh, I just hope, wish John the best. Wish John the best. And in the meantime, I tell him, as always, to keep on rocking in the free world.